And I wanna speak to you today from a message that I believe will help us to move forward this year. And it's called Overcoming the Big Five. Overcoming the Big Five. So let me read again that key scripture for the year found in John chapter 16. I've told you all of this so that trusting me, that you will be unshakable, assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, church, I have overcome the world. In other words, whatever you face on earth, Whatever you face on earth, I have overcome it. On earth, every human being is gonna face death. It's not a pleasant subject to talk about on Sunday. What did you talk about yesterday? Death. Oh, interesting. But no one can beat it. No scientist has been able to defeat it. You can freeze your cells. You can go to a Californian institution or some kind of special clinic. You can do anything you want. You can freeze your body for the next 30 years and then some medical institution or some doctors can slice you up to try. And, there's a lot of things that we will do. Why? Because humanity is driven to conquer, to overcome, to pursue, curious like never before. That's not bad. It's just bad when it takes us away from God. And so I believe there's a lot to overcome. And Jesus says, hey, you can be in this world with all the difficulties, but take heart. You can be unshakable, assured, deeply at peace. Why? Because I've overcome it. And so what does Jesus do? He reassures us by putting Him, us in Him, in Christ, in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? We've been positioned in Christ. If you can understand this, if you want just quickly, simply, is when you come to an airport and you come to a country and you pull out your passport, you were identified by that, 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 that passport. And that passport will determine whether you're in the country, whether you're a friend or whether you're a foe, uh, if there's a visa connected to it. But what it means is it gives you access to the land. Well, it's a little bit like that with Christ. When you're in Christ, you have now got full access to all of the inheritance our Heavenly Father has ever wanted to give us. It's called a full access pass. Has anyone ever been to a concert? And then you've got access backstage. 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 For some people, that's a big deal. But if it's your favourite artist or your favourite celebrity or whatever it is that you want to see, a backstage pass is going to be a, a big, beautiful present for you. All I'm trying to say is, is the simplicity of in Christ is that we have now been positioned with full access to everything that our Father has. It means He won't ignore you. He won't ignore you. So let's believe this year that you're gonna overcome. Why? Because we have been placed in Christ. Revelations chapter 12, this is what it says. They, a overcome, they, they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and by the testimony of what Christ has done for them. You don't overcome the enemy by your testimony. You overcome the enemy through the testimony that you have through Christ. A lot of people, I hear them quoting, oh, well, I, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and, and, and my testimony. No, no, your, your testimony is only an incredible testimony if it's connected to Christ. Now, that doesn't mean if you're not connected to Christ, you haven't got a great testimony. I'm just trying to help you understand here is we overcome because of Christ. 
So what's our testimony? Our declaration of what Christ has done for me. I was lost and now I am. I was in darkness and now I've been placed into the light. So that's where we overcome the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of what Christ has done. They did not hold on to their lives, but they laid them down for Him. When Israel was released from Egypt, they were instructed to prepare a lamb and to apply the blood over the entrance of their home. Today, it's called the Passover. It's been celebrated right since this moment, thousands of years ago. And if, if you're a Jewish person, if you've got Jewish family, Jewish relatives, or any kind of connection to a Jewish community, that you will definitely have exposure or an understanding to some degree of the power. But what are they doing? They're celebrating when God freed them from oppression, from hardship. Let me say this, this year, as we choose to overcome, not to be overwhelmed and overcome, but to overcome whatever we need to overcome. Let me just say this, people are gonna be inspired by a story that is overcoming. See, to say your story's unfinished, that's hopeful. Really? My, my story's not finished? <laughs> it feels like it. So when you hear my story's not finished, it's like, yeah, amen. It's a little bit like, it's hopeful. But you gotta move from just an unfinished story to I have an overcoming story. Wow, that's inspiring. It's just moving from hopeful to wow, that's inspiring. Say it again. Now, humanly speaking, without God, you can still have overcoming stories. We see them all the time. But what I'm saying to you is, is that it's not just an overcoming story because I'm so good, so I'm so clever. My strong will got me through this. Now the overcoming story is, is I literally looked like I was out, but God. I had no way to get this back, but God. I was that, that far down the road, there was no way back for me, but God. Our story is not about how good we are. Our story will forever, forever, forever be about how good He is. He is amazing. And if you let Him, He'll show you His faithfulness. And I believe an overcoming story that inspires others ultimately will point people back to the faithfulness of God. So the reason we need to overcome is because there is an enemy. And if you're gonna realise as you move forward that you're gonna face opposition, you've got to remember the Bible calls him an accuser. He's always accusing, always accusing. And you've got to remember the nature of Jesus. The nature of Jesus, He doesn't accuse you. He reaffirms you. He reassures you. He is always talking about your future, moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. The enemy will always talk about your past. How do I know I'm hearing from God? Is it past or is it future? Well, I guarantee if it's always about the past. Were you an idiot in the past? Yeah, I was. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. Well, does that mean that I'm not gonna be an idiot in the future? No, it's just, there's no guarantees of me not being an idiot. It's just that hopefully I'm not the same idiot. What does that mean? It just means that I'm making progress. I'm making progress because I stay in, I stay connected. I stay in this wonderful place of peace with God, amen. So listen, if you want to overcome, you've got to understand there will be an enemy, an accuser. And, and, and He may say things that are true, but you've got to make sure that that truth is subject, subject to the ultimate truth of what God says about you. We may have made mistakes, 
But that's the problem is, is if we say, yeah, well, I did make a mistake. So we're forever chained to it. And God is the liberator. He's not trying to chain you to the mistakes you've made. He's trying to free you from the past, free you from the fears, free you from the complications, free you from whatever it is that bothers you. Jesus is about making a way. That's why we sing the song, He's a way maker. Can anybody say amen? The reason we need to overcome is because there's a fight. Something to win, something to lose. Something to win, something to lose. Something to win, something to lose. Why is building church important? Something to win, something to lose. Why reaching those who are away from Christ? Something to win, something to lose. If there's no tension, this is what we need to realise for those who are maybe even believers. If you belittle sin. In other words, if you think sin is not a problem, it doesn't exist, it's just a figment of someone's imagination. Then really what you're doing is, is you're actually also, at the same time, you're actually weakening this concept, if you could say that, the reality of love. What makes love so amazing? What makes love so amazing? If there's nothing to win, nothing to lose, well, love loses its very essence. If you were forced to acknowledge God, if you were forced to love God, it wouldn't be love. The very essence of love is that there's no manipulation. There is no absolutely, it is the purest thing. And so what is it that causes us to do what we do? The motivation that I need is His love for me. His love for me is the, all the motivation that I need to keep going. People have a lot of motivations in life and usually it's fearful motivations. Trying to prove something, trying to validate themselves, trying to say, look, see, 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 will you validate me now? See, see, will you approve of me now? See, see, will you accept me now? We're, we're, we are addicted to this approval mentality. Or we say, I'm not addicted to it. Well, what do you do? You just go the other way where I don't even care. But the thing is, either way, we get ourselves into trouble. Because if you don't care, you go down to this road where you become indifferent. And if you become indifferent, it's a horrible place to be because I'd rather be hot and cold. But indifferent, I think, is a dangerous place. Why? Stepping over a dead person? Who cares? He probably deserved it. That is a very dangerous place to be. When you reject truth, God's truth, oh, nothing happens, really? No, 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 no. You you, when you reject truth, when it's presented to you, you either accept it or you reject it. But you have to understand, if you accept it, you don't stay there. You go on into the next level. It's kind of like games, the guys who design games. They all know this. That's why they do games. But if you reject it, you think that you're just the same. No, you go backwards to the point where your heart becomes harder. Empathy cannot flourish in a human heart that's hard. That's why clinical psychologists that work with trauma patients, especially from parts of the world like child soldiers or people that have been exposed into the most horrendous things that no human being should have ever been exposed to. A clinical psychologist will tell you it's almost impossible to get them back. Most of them will say it's impossible, but the ones who work with Christ and work on the ground as a clinical psychologist will tell you that it, it, it is, it is it's, it's incredibly difficult I heard once someone say, it's, it's, it's easier to train a child than to repair a broken man. 
So all I'm trying to say to us in this moment of moving forward, overcoming, yeah, there's a good spirit about it. Yeah, there's a real desire. But let's also be really sure that there is a fight. The moment you say, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna overcome. There will be tension. And sometimes what happens when it gets hard? Oh, I'm just gonna pull back. But you see, if it's your strength, you will because you're limited. But if you'll bring God into it, He will give you the grace, the strength, the wisdom and the community to overcome. What makes love amazing is that sin is so devastating. What makes what Christ did on the cross so incredible is that He took the blame so that we could take the healing. He was disconnected so you and I could be connected. And so I believe that's what the essence of our message is. The reason we can overcome is because Christ has defeated the enemy, the accuser. He is defeated, therefore, in Christ, you have all of the provision of heaven working for your benefit. So don't allow the accuser to rob you. So what are the things that we need to consider? And this is kind of the essence of what I wanna do today is that all the enemy's got to do, all he's got to really do, he has no tricks. He's not a creator, he is a created. In other words, God didn't create the enemy. He became the enemy. It's called the story of creation. It's the fallen aspect of creation. But you have to understand the enemy, all he has to do really, if you can talk about it, is distract you or disconnect you. That's all he's got to do. Just get you distracted or just get you disconnected. I honestly believe if you get distracted, you end up being disconnected. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 does give us insight into the separation and the disconnection humanity experienced. I believe disconnection from God causes so much pain, so much dysfunction within humanity that we see it all around us. So if we are to overcome discouragement, change, problems, fear, failure, the big five, everyone say the big five. Is it true that discouragement's gonna surface its head if it hasn't already? <laughs> What's the big five? There's probably a whole lot more, but the big five is discouragement change. When things begin to change, it can really make people feel uncertain. Anxiety can rise. And God doesn't want us to be full of anxiety. He wants us to be certain. Change is not gonna take us out because we're anchored to something that is unshakable. So discouragement, change, problems. There's gonna be problems. There will be problems. Why? Because you're alive. Just getting out of this building, you might have a problem. I did it the other day. Couldn't get out the door and didn't realise that it was automatic. <laughs> Ever gone there to a door and you're like, won't open. All I had to do was step back. <laughs> open. Sometimes in life, you're so close. You just gotta step back. And it's like, <laughs> I'm telling you, sometimes it is that simple. The big five, discouragement, change, problems, fear, failure. We've gotta overcome these things. I really encourage you this year that no matter what happens, that you're gonna make this commitment that with the help of heaven, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that you're gonna find His wisdom, His strength, even when you feel like giving up. Discouragement is not gonna take you out. So how do we overcome discouragement? I honestly believe we overcome discouragement by being connected, staying connected. If He can disconnect you, He can isolate you. If He can isolate you, He can start to speak into your own world and He'll actually bring other people into your isolation who will agree with you. 
and they will start to talk the language that you understand. And the language is not take responsibility. The language is, yeah, that's right. You should blame him. You should blame that pastor. You should blame that church. You should blame that boss. You should blame that colleague. You should blame that boyfriend. You should blame that person. And blame, 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 blame. But like I told you, when the blame stops, the healing starts. You're not a victim. It might be true, but you've got to make a choice to overcome. So how do we overcome disconnection? I believe by staying connected. Before you get disconnected, make a commitment that connection is a big deal for me. It's a big deal. This is how you overcome distraction. Stay thankful. Really? Think about it. If thankfulness is there, it's very hard for you to be distracted. Maybe you're thinking that through, I don't know, but think it through if you can and if you feel like it's not right, then tell me. But I personally believe this year, if you'll just stay thankful, there's a very good possibility that you're gonna not give into distraction. I find people who've forgotten they're ungrateful, they've forgotten about being thankful. They're more prone to being distracted. You look at it, you think back in your own life. When have I been, is thankfulness high in my life and the same time distractions high in my life? I actually think it's actually the opposite. I think, to be honest, when thankfulness is high, the distractions are a lot lower. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying they've got less chance to take you. So this year, why don't you keep that thankfulness? Thankful to God. Thankful for the family. Thank you for the friends I've got. Thank you for the community. Thank you for the pastors we've got. Thank you for the Word that we have. Thank you for the Name of Jesus. Thank you for the blessing. Remember last week, remember the Lord and you will be rejoicing. You don't tend to rejoice when you forget. And so these are the things that I believe so. What is the, what is the biggest challenges in our Western culture? Self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency. What does self-sufficiency sound like, look like? I don't need God. I don't need the church. Terrible when a believer says that. It's just deception. It's just deception. Probably overwhelmed by failure, overwhelmed by mistakes. You know, what I need you to understand is this, no matter what happens, even if I get it wrong, even if someone around you gets it wrong, even if you get it wrong, you have to understand, God says, you're bigger than that. Don't give them more than what they should. It's amazing how people can have one comment in the morning and they'll let the whole day be ruined by that one person's comment. That just shows you that you've got a lot of work to do. It's not terrible, it's not fatalistic, it's just, oh my goodness, what a revealer. <laughs> Help me, get it down to half a day. That's a good goal. Don't go, oh, it's never gonna bother me again. No, no, if you're, a, if you're a full day person overwhelmed by one little comment, why don't you just say, I'm gonna get it half a day, half a day. I'll give her half a day, that's it, no more. After lunchtime, she's got no more of my thoughts. I don't know why I'm talking about she, but it could be a he. It could be something or someone, okay? And then get it down to the not getting it past 10 o'clock. That's if it happened in the morning, it could be the night time. Just say, they're not gonna ruin my night's sleep. I think sometimes we just gotta turn it into these things. Self-sufficiency can be a distraction and we need connection to the church. The church is not a hotel. 
What's that? Check in, check out, do not disturb. But listen, if you need right now because of where you are to check in, check out and do not disturb, I want you to know you're in a safe place. But that's not the church. But if that's where you are right now because of life and overwhelming situations, I want you to know this place can be like a hotel because of where you're at. Just don't treat it like a hotel forever because it will work against you. But if you need it to be a hotel right now, check in, check out, do not disturb. I want you to know you're in a safe place. Church is not Airbnb. Someone else's home that I can use at my convenience. However, wherever you are, Right now on the journey to healing, journey to progress, journey to overcoming, I want you to know this is Hillsong Airbnb. Check in and use everything at your convenience. Can anybody say amen? Don't say it too loud. But I need you to understand that we're not an Airbnb, but if that's where you are, if that's where a friend is, if that's where a family member is, if that's where a work colleague is, feel free to use our home (laughs) at your convenience. You understand what I'm saying? You cannot treat the church like an Airbnb forever because it's not an Airbnb. However, where are you right now? That's how good God is. Church is not a tourist bus. I can hop on and hop off at my own convenience. Well, that's great. But my experience is people treat church like a tourist bus. What do you do on a tourist bus? You hop off at the Colosseum of offence and you stay there for too long. You visit checkpoint of unforgiveness and you stay there way too long. When you come back to get on the bus, the bus is gone. Why? Because the church is not a tourist bus. What is the church? It is a destination bus. It's going somewhere. You gotta stay on it. You gotta stay with it. Hey, listen. If you do have a toilet stop, make sure it's only a toilet stop because the bus is leaving. And what does that mean? It just means that the bus, the church is not caring. It's just that the church is going somewhere. What does that look like? It means if you have a year off for whatever reason and you come back, thank God, don't be surprised that people who stayed on the bus have moved on. That doesn't mean they're rude, unkind, unpleasant. No, it's just that we on the bus are going to the destination. And you just gotta be big enough. And this is the big challenge for all of us is it takes humility to get back on the bus. I just want you to know the church keeps growing it keeps moving and it keeps going to where it's supposed to go. Don't treat church or misunderstand church as a tourist bus. It just goes around in circles. I can get on and off whenever I like. No, that is great for the city of Rome. That is great for Berlin. That is great for other cities to see it as a tourist, but that's not church. So what I'm trying to say is, where are you? You're trying to figure these things out. I appreciate all of us are trying to figure something out but choose connection. Choose something that you can connect to, amen. Church is like a family, a place to belong, a place I can call home. There's a mum, there's a dad, there's brothers and sisters. You don't attend a family, you belong to a family. Church is like a two-sided coin. A true coin's value is that it has two sides, Sunday 
and community, big and small. Why don't we believe this year that the local church, our church, Hillsong Church is gonna be a safe place, an overcoming place, a place of progress, a place of faith, a place of healing.